This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Path. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, while Superman rushes to the Metropolis Harbor, Candy Myers, bowing vengeance, sets out alone for a showdown with the Racketeers. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, there's no point in letting somebody else in the gang get the jump on you, is there? Especially when it comes to collecting those swell prizes in packages of Kellogg's Pep. You can collect all three kinds of Pep prizes, easy as anything. Forty-nine different prizes in all. For instance, maybe the prize for your next package of Pep will be one of those keen, full-color pictures of birds. There are 24 to collect, each with a full description on the reverse side so that you'll be hep on those birds. Or, if your next pet prize happens to be a colored cardboard model of a fighting plane, remember, you can collect seven of those planes in Pep's Great Air Fleet. And the same goes for those 18 bright-colored comic buttons, each picturing a famous comic strip character. Why, all three kinds of pet prizes are super to go with the super-terrific flavor of Kellogg's Pep. And that's saying a lot, because the catchy taste of Pep is really out of this world. Every spoonful of those cool, crisp flakes of whole wheat tastes downright wonderful. Yes, sir, a bowl of pep is a smooth treat and then some. So, for a prize dish from a prize package, ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Now, the adventures of Superman. Clark Kent is convinced that Mike Vicky, a contractor, practiced fraud in building a subway which caved in, causing great loss of life, and that he was responsible for the near-fatal attack on Jimmy Olsen and private detective Candy Myers, who were investigating the disaster. Learning that Ricky had ordered all the wreckage of the subway tube to be dumped into Metropolis Harbor, Kent, as Superman, streaks to the waterfront in time to salvage some of the rubble. Meanwhile, Candy Myers, vowing vengeance, set out to have a showdown with Ricky, just as the fraudulent contractor had decided that Kent and Candy must be done away with. As we continue now in Mike Ricky's ornate penthouse apartment, Shortcake, the contractor's undersized henchman, has just answered the house telephone. His watery eyes popping, the little thug spins about to face Ricky and Clint Morgan, the dishonest Metropolis building commissioner. Listen. 
about you standing there with your mouth open? Shortcake, what gives? Candy Myers downstairs, boss. What? Candy Myers? Yeah, the private eye. He's in the lobby. He wants to see you. Oh, is he alone? Wait till I find out. Hey, Jughead, is this Myers' character alone? Yeah, he's all by closing for us. <laughs> well, now, ain't that just dandy? <laughs> this makes it nice and easy. All right, have him come up, Shortcake. Have him come right up. Okay, boys. Set him up, Jughead. What are you going to do, Mike? <laughs> do? <laughs> well, I'm going to get this Myers jerk out of our air for good. But, but that would be murder. Would you rather go to jail? No, no, of, of course not, but... But nothing. Clark, Kent, and Myers are wor- working together. They got some of that busted concrete from the subway cave in. I know, but... All right, if they have it analyzed, it'll show how I, with your old cage, if the building specifications. That means we go to the pen, but quick. You're right, boys. And me, I don't like no pen. There must be some other way. Now, just stop worrying, Clinton. Leave this to me and shortcake. We'll get rid of this Myers, Weisenheimer, and then Kent. <laughs> and then we won't have nothing to worry about except spending our dough. Yeah, man. Right again, boys. Well, well, I, I don't want to be here, though. What? Let's yell up, boys. Now, look here, shortcake. What's that? Must be Candy Myers. All right, you go in the bedroom, Clint. Yes, sir. I, I, I think I... Uh, let Myers in, shortcake. Okay. Step right in, Mr. Myers. Put that gun away, squirt. Might go off and skate. Oh, yeah, listen, wise guy. All right, close the door, shortcake. Okay. Well, fat stuff. I don't be a wise guy, Myers. I'm in no mood for kidding. Okay. Neither am I. And you can check the artillery. I didn't come here to do that kind of a job. I'm leaving that for the judge and jury. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm here to tell you what a dirty brat you are and to pin your ears back to the job you did on me the other night. And on Jim Olson. <laughs> is that so? Frisk him, Shortcake. Okay, boys. Keep away from me. Your right. hands down, Myers, or you get it. Who are you kidding? I'm Stop. warning you, Myers. I'm just warning you. Try moving your hands and you'll find out. Now, look, Ricky. You can't bluff me. You wouldn't try bumping me off. Not here. Because, you know, I wouldn't be so dumb as to walk into this rat nest without first telling my friends. So what? The doorman and the elevator man will both swear the jazz for me, but I wasn't home, so you went away. They work for me, you see. I happen to own this building. Now, wait a minute. You'd be found someplace, if you ever were found, a long way from here. Yeah, a long way from here. Yeah. Now, be smart, Flatfoot, and uh, do like I say. <laughs> Why don't you pick up that phone and call Clark Kent? Call Clark Kent? What for? I want you to tell him that you got to see him right away and for him to come to the warehouse at 442 West Street. What's more, tell him to come alone. 442 West Street? That's right. Now, do you make that phone call, Myers, or do I let you have it right here and now? Well. Okay. Okay, take it easy. i got to make up my mind. Give me a minute to think it over. Sure. Sure, I'll give you a minute. But just a minute. Then you either make the call or you get it. Look at your watch, Sharky. Okay. It's exactly... Try this on your bazooka. Ricky! Take it, Hopkins, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You For his life, Candy Myers succeeds in seizing the gun hands of both Mike Ricky and Shortcake, clinging to them as all three men crash to the floor, where they roll and rush wildly, overturning tables and chairs. But back Mike Ricky, despite his girth as strong as a bear, little Shortcake is wiry and fierce. Each of them slug Candy with their free hands, seeking to make him lose their grip on their guns. And though he hangs on grimly, Candy knows the end is almost at hand. 
Meanwhile, Clark Kent has returned to the Daily Planet from the famous Dr. Mason's laboratory. We find him now in Editor Perry White's office, where he's making a report of the chemist's analysis. Dr. Millicent and his staff analyzed those pieces of concrete that came out of the subway cave-in, Chief, and it's just as I thought. The concrete doesn't nearly measure up to city specifications. Mike Rick gypped on the quantity and quality of the scent. That's why that tube caved in. Uh, listen, I just stopped by to pick up you and Candy Myers. He started this investigation, and he deserves to be in on the finish. But look, Candy... We're going to be mayor at police headquarters and swear out warrants for the arrest of Mike Rickey and Building Commissioner Morgan on charges of fraud and homicide. Get your hat, Chief. Now, wait a minute, Ken. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm afraid Candy may be in trouble. Trouble? What do you mean? Well, he went charging out of here about an hour ago, saying he was going to find Ricky and slap his ears down. What? Yes. Said nobody could beat him up and almost kill Jim Olson and get away with it. Oh. I tried to stop him, but I know how he is when he gets sore. Yes, I do, too. And I don't like this. I don't like it at all. Did he tell you where he was going to look for Ricky? He said something about going to his house. Where's that? Do you know? I looked it up. It's 1263 Park Place. 1263 Park. Yes. I called the police, but they said they couldn't go looking for candy unless I preferred some kind of charges. Now, wait a minute, Captain. Where are you going? Find candy, of course. And I hope I'm not too late. Running across the city room into the deserted storeroom, Clark Kent swiftly stripped to the blue costume and red cape of Superman. Then, throwing open the window, the Man of Steel rockets away to search for his friend, Candy Myers. Out! Up! And away! Will he find him in time? The once ornate but now wrecked penthouse apartment of fat Mike Ricky. A mighty battle has come to an end. Defeated at last, a dazed Candy Myers rests on hands and knees on the heaped-up carpet. Above him, his clothes torn, his face cut and bruised, stands Mike Ricky, holding a gun pointed at the fallen detective. Shortcake, his puffed lips contorted in a snarl, stands nearby. In the bedroom doorway, his face pale, stands the graying, paunchy Clint Morgan, building commissioner of Metropolis. Ricky is speaking. Okay, Myers. This is it. You're, you're a dirty swine, Ricky. Put down that gun and I'll... I'll still take your part. <laughs> you hear the big mouth, Shortcake? Yeah, I hear him, boys. Go on, let him have it. You and I will write. No, you don't, Ricky. I'll take that gun. Wait, who's that? Superman. Pull up here, you monkey. Superman. I'll fix him, boys. <laughs> the bullet bounced right off him. Of course. Well, here's something that won't bounce off you. Oh. Well, nice work, Candy. I gather you're okay. Yeah. You got here just one second later. Uh, just a moment. Where do you think you're going, Ricky? Uh, what, me? No, 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 please. Right the first time. Just stand still, my fat friend. And you, Mr. Building Commissioner. Mr. Grafting Wreck Commissioner to you, Superman. Now, look here. Are you thinking of leaving without saying goodbye? Why, uh, 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 you he see... just uh, remember he had an appointment, I guess. Yes, he has an appointment, all right. With Police Inspector Anderson. And then a very long appointment with a warden of the state penitentiary. Oh, no. No, you, you made a mistake. I can explain. Oh, you can. I really had nothing to do with Mr. Ricky in the way that you think that is. I... Why, you... It was him that made me chip on all those contracts. I didn't want... You're like a liar. But you... Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. Yeah. Is that nice? Two big crooks like you guys calling each other names? Yes. Get your hats, gentlemen. You're going to be away a long time. Let's go, Candy. I'll take this tough little lad under my arm. And as I believe Mr. Ricky was marking when I blew in, this is it. Herded by Superman, who carries the limp gunman under his arm, followed by a battered but happily smiling Candy Myers, that Mike Ricky and Building Commissioner Morgan are led from the apartment to police headquarters. Their vicious threat against our friends and the citizens of Metropolis forever over. But unknown to Clark Kent... Unknown even to those who will be involved, a much more vicious threat is about to raise its ugly, venomous head. A threat not only against Editor White, Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, and our other friends, but a threat against personal freedom.
spread against you and you and you. Against every decent, clear-thinking American. So don't miss the opening episode of tomorrow's new Superman adventure for thrills and excitement as the Man of Steel battles against hidden poison. Tune in, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines. It is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Behold, my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me do something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. Fun surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! To the Loot Crate box. today, huh? Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, with the investigation of the subway wreck satisfactorily concluded, and racketeers Ricky, Morgan, and Shortcake under police care... We continue on to another and even more serious problem facing citizens of Metropolis and of America. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, some presents you get are fun when you get them, but after a while you kind of lose interest. Isn't that right? Well, for the kind of presents that keep right on being fun, you have to hand it to the prizes and packages of Kellogg's Pet. You get loads of fun for weeks and weeks, collecting all three kinds of those keen prizes. First off, it's mighty exciting to see which kind of prize you'll get in your next pet package. Maybe it's a bright-colored comic button featuring a favorite comic strip character. Eighteen and all to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap. Or uh, maybe it's a bird picture in gleaming color with a full description on the reverse side. You can collect 24 of them. Or uh, maybe your next pet prize will be one of seven colored cardboard plane models, a cinch to put together. Yes, sir, you keep right on having fun when you're collecting the prizes and packages of Pep the Sunshine Cereal. And all the while, you can be enjoying breakfast with those crunchy golden whole wheat flakes of Pep. 
flakes that are light as a breeze, all crisp and cool and catchy tasting as you spoon them up. Mm-mm, it's pep a treat. So get going, gang. Ask Mom for Kellogg's Pep and look for your prize inside the package. Now the adventures of Superman. Our scene is the broad rolling lawn in the shadow of the marble-pillared state capitol. Almost a thousand G.I.s, most of them battle-scarred veterans of the European and Pacific invasions, have gathered on the lawn in a meeting of protest. As we join them now, they are cheering the remarks of one of their number who is addressing them from the base of a statue of Thomas Jefferson, creator of the Bill of Rights. The speaker is Joe Martin, brother of Beanie, the Daily Planet copyboy, and a hero of the Okinawa invasion. Did they ask us what church we went to when they sent us up the beach at Anzio? Or at Normandy? Or at Iwo Jima? Did it make any difference whether we were black, white, green, or purple when a machine gun slug came out of nowhere and ripped us apart? But now, evidently, it does make a difference. Now that it's all over and the blood has been soaked into the ground and the dead have been buried, and those of us who are lucky enough to come back here are looking for honest, decent work, it does make a difference. It makes a difference to the man sitting behind those bronze doors. The man who calls himself the governor of this state. The Honorable Frank C. Wheeler. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to stand by and let Wheeler discriminate against us because we happen to be Catholics, Jews, or Baptists? There are hundreds of state jobs open. Jobs that are supposed to go to veterans. Jobs that were promised to us. I know that some of us are getting those jobs. But only if we worship God the way Frank Wheeler and his gangsters want us to worship. You see this statue? It's a statue of Thomas Jefferson, the man who wrote the Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights says that every American can worship God as he sees fit. And that nobody, not even the Congress of the United States, can tell that man how to worship. But Governor Wheeler evidently thinks he's bigger than the Bill of Rights. He thinks he's bigger than the Congress of these United States. He wants to tell us how to worship, and if we don't do it his way, we suffer for it! I say there's only one way to handle this situation. I say we march on the state capitol, knock those big bronze doors over, and demand the two things that you'll find written on the state flag flying over the capitol. Liberty and equality! And I say let's do it now! Just a minute, fellas! Just a minute, please! Please! Hey, Joe, you mind if I say a few words? No, go ahead, Sam. Thanks. Why, just a minute, fellas. Now, most of you know me, but in case some of you don't, my name is Sam Robbins. Hey, Sam! Joe Martin and I were in the same outfit. We've been friends in Metropolis for almost 20 years. And while I agree with everything Joe said here today, I don't agree with his suggestion that we storm the state capitol. Now, just a minute. Give me a chance to explain, will you? I don't like prejudice or discrimination any more than you do. In fact, I like it less because I've had more of it. But we're not going to get anywhere with violence. And if we storm the Capitol, somebody's going to get hurt. What we need is the public on our side. we got to appeal to the citizens who elected Governor Wheeler. That takes so much time. We want jobs. All right, Sam. We can't afford to wait. Okay, but I'm afraid of trouble. Don't worry. We won't start any trouble. Call the state police barracks. Tell them I want a squad of men over here immediately. Yes, sir. 
All right, George. You got me into this. Now get me out. I'll take it easy, Frank. Nothing to get excited about. A thousand raving maniacs is plenty to get excited about. What do I do with them? What do I tell them? You're governor of the state, aren't you? In name only, and you know it. So does everyone else. It's no secret that big George Latimer runs the works. Ah, don't lose your head, Frank. That's what they want you to do. I know, but you've got to get me out of this hole. Those G.I.s saw because we've kept certain people out of state jobs. We've kept foreigners out, Frank. Foreigners. But they're citizens, taxpayers. They fought in the army. In my book and in your book, too, they're still foreigners. They're not like us, are they? Are they? No, I guess not. That's all you've got to say, Frank. You've got to keep repeating that foreigners. They're trying to wander my America. Trying to sell us out. That was the Hitler line. Not a bad line, was it? No, but look what happened to Hitler. It won't happen to us. Believe me. Yes? They're on the steps, sir. They want you to come out. Who's on the steps? The G.I.s. Who do you think? All right, Briggs. We'll take care of it. Yes, Mr. Latimer. Uh, Briggs. Yes, sir? When the state police get here, tell them to line up in front of the doors. Yes, Mr. Latimer. Oh, I don't like the smell of this. I don't like it one bit. Don't worry. Relax. I found something to hang our hats on. Oh, I don't understand. Kid Martin, Joe Martin, the spark plug of the mob. You can't touch him. But his best friend is a Jew named Robbins. He's the one we'll pin it on. We'll say he's responsible for the whole business. Is he? I just finished telling you Joe Martin was. We'll hang it on Robbins. You could even call him a red. Not always over big. Oh, I'm afraid of this. You can't fool around with those veterans. They don't knuckle under. They'll knuckle under to me, or I'll know the reason why. Oh, now what? Yes. Oh, what is it? The state police are here, sir. Sergeant Adams would like to see you. I'll send him in. This way, Sergeant. Sergeant Adams, state police reporting, sir. I'm glad to know you, Sergeant. Are your men lined up in front of the Capitol doors? Yes, sir. But that's what I want to talk to you about. They don't like the idea of pointing Tommy guns at ex-GIs. I've got ten men, and six of them were GIs themselves. Well, it's uh, just a minute, Governor, if you don't mind. Oh, no, no, not at all. Thanks. My name is George Latimer, Sergeant. You may have heard of me. Uh, yes, of course, sir. Good. Now, tell me. Members of the state police are by law pledged to protect public property, aren't they? Yes, sir. And uh, public life as well, right? Yes, sir. Well, that's all the Governor's asking you to do. Protect the state capitol building in his life. Now, if you'll see that your men are lined up in front of the doors, the governor will go out and talk to the GIs. Yes, sir. All right, Frank, let's go. Oh, I don't think I'd better go out there now. Now, you've got to show your face. Yeah, but they're screaming for blood. They'll get blood. But it won't be yours. Come on. What does big George Latimer, crooked political boss of the state, mean? Led by young Joe Martin, hero of the Okinawa invasion, more than a thousand veterans of World War II are massed in front of the state capitol, demanding an audience with Frank Wheeler, the governor. An unwilling detail of state policemen armed with Tommy guns is lined up on the capitol steps as the governor, accompanied by Big George Latimer, political boss of the state, steps up to face the veterans and is greeted by a chorus of boos and hisses. Joe Martin, at the head of the veteran group, raises his hands and silences the angry men behind him. Then he speaks. Governor Wheeler, my name is Joe Martin. I'm speaking for the Army and Navy veterans you see here before you. We demand to know why racial and religious prejudice is being practiced in awarding state jobs to return GIs. Tell them there is no prejudice. Mr. Martin <coughs> and gentlemen, I assure you there is no prejudice. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to contradict you, Governor. But applicants for 
retaliation. And if it isn't the right church, they don't get those jobs. And that goes for Negroes, too. Far in the line. Americans first. Uh, it, it may be true, Mr. Martin, that we are being very careful in our selection of state employees. That is, uh, we are trying to avoid hiring uh, foreigners who, whose only aim is to, to undermine the government. This is America, and we should think of Americans first. What do you think I am? How about me? I know that. surging up the Capitol steps. What will happen? And how does Superman fit into this tense picture of returned G.I.s fighting for their rights? We'll know tomorrow, so be sure to listen when the Man of Steel joins in the battle for the freedom and equality guaranteed all Americans by the Constitution of the United States. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's death. For excitement... The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today we continue with our G.I. protest against racial discrimination. A protest ended in alarming sounds of gunfire. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, which is it? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a button? Well, you never can tell for sure until you open your package of Kellogg's Pep and see which of those three kinds of prizes you'll get. So, every prize is always an exciting surprise. Sure, it might be one of Pep's 18 slick comic buttons, picturing one of your favorite comic strip characters to pin on your beanie cap or your jacket. Or uh, it might be a model of a fighting plane, one of seven thrilling plane models in the series, all made of colored cardboard and easy to assemble. Or uh, your next pet prize might be a beautiful full-color bird picture from a series of 24, each with a description on the reverse side so you can name and know any of these birds around. And say, speaking of birds, you'll sure be an early bird to the breakfast table when Kellogg's Pep heads the menu. Because every spoonful of these crisp whole wheat flakes is brimming with cool come on. Every spoonful is a treat in itself. Every dish of Pep just about doubles the fun of breakfast. Yes, sir, you'll say that catchy Pep flavor is strictly terrific. So get going, gang. Ask Mom for Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, and look for your prize inside the package. Now, the adventures of Superman. 
led by young Joe Martin, a hero of the Okinawa invasion and brother of Beanie, the Daily Planet copy boy. A thousand returned veterans staged a mass meeting on the steps of the state capitol. A meeting of protest against racial and religious discrimination and the awarding of state jobs. Demanding an explanation from Governor Wheeler, the XGIs were told there was no discrimination. Angry and indignant, the men swarmed up the capitol steps. In a moment of fear and panic, the governor lost his head and ordered a squad of state troopers armed with Tommy guns to fire into the crowd. Shots rang out. As we continue now, our scene is the editorial office of the Daily Planet. Beanie Martin, in response to the ringing of a bell, has stepped into the teletype room to get the news being fed out of one of the machines. He stands by idly as the keys automatically print the news report in bright purple ink. Suddenly he stiffens. The color drains from his cheeks. His eyes race over the glaring lines of type. Mouth agape, he reaches out and rips the long sheet of paper out of the machine just as the clatter of the keys stops. Then, turning, he races through the city room looking for Clark Kent. Mr. Kent! Mr. Kent! How many times have I told you not to barge into this office without knocking? Yes, sir, but this is important. Mr. Kent! Get out of here! Get out Hold it! Right. Hold it! What's the matter, Beanie? You're pale as a ghost. Uh, be a ghost unless you get out of here. Please, Mr. White! Come in, I... Beanie. Come in and close the door. Now, what's the trouble? My brother. It's about my brother. Your brother Joe? Yes. Well, what about it? What Please, about it? Please, can't you see the boy's upset? Here, look at this teletype. Well, I don't know if he gives a hoop when I'm upset. Great Scott. Well, what is it, Kent? Listen to this. A returned veteran, hero of Okinawa invasion, was seriously wounded today when, at the order of Governor Wheeler, a detachment of state policemen fired into a group of ex-GI staging a protest meeting on the steps of the state capitol. Oh, I don't believe it. Even Wheeler, as often as he is, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's more. The wounded man is... Joe Martin of 1040 Wilton Drive. My brother. Said to be the leader of the veteran group, organized to protest against racial and religious discrimination in the awarding of state jobs. Immediately following the incident, Martin was removed to the Metropolis Hospital, where he's been placed on the danger. <laughs> oh, there, there. There, there, Beanie. I'm sorry I shouted at you, but don't cry now. We'll take care of everything. Now, Kent, you get on this thing immediately. Get all the facts. Well, now, look. If Wheeler's responsible for this, I'll, I'll have him impeached. I'll, wait. I'll ruin him for later. Wait a minute. In the first place, I can't quite believe that the state police would fire into a group of veterans. In the second place, I'm going to the hospital to see about Beanie's brother. Sign someone else to the story. Give it a, give it a lowest. Oh, where is she? Probably in her office. Beanie, you locate Jimmy Olsen and get him to go home with you. Yes. And don't you worry about your brother. Now, everything possible will be done for him. See you later, Chief. <laughs> Doctor, I've got to see him. I'm sorry, Mr. Kent. We've just done an emergency operation on him to remove the bullet from his chest. He's in a coma. No one can see him. But, Doctor, you see... I think there's a friend of his sitting in the waiting room. Perhaps he can help you. Oh, here he comes now. Any change, Doctor? No, no change. Well, I'll have to leave you now. Sorry. Thanks, Doctor. Quite well. I understand you're a friend of Joe Martin's. I've known him almost all my life. We were kids together. We went to school together and fought the war together. Oh, this has to happen. Yeah, I know. Uh, my, my name is Clark Kent. I'm, I'm with the Daily Planet. Joe's brother, Beanie, works for us. Oh, that's right. Joe's mentioned you lots of times. I'm Sam Robbins. Glad to meet you. Glad to meet you, Sam. Tell me, were, uh, were you at the state capitol when this thing happened? I was there all right, but it didn't do much good. No. I tried to tell the boys someone was going to get hurt, but they wouldn't listen. Did the state police actually fire at them? I hate to have to say this, Mr. Kent, but I'm afraid they did. Did they? They had Tommy guns. Our bunch was sore, and they started up the steps to where the governor and some of his stooges were standing. Uh-huh. I heard him yell to the troopers to fire. The next thing I knew, the Tommy guns were blazing away, and Joe was right next to me, crumpled up and dropped. Was anyone else hit? No, just Joe. The one guy who didn't have it coming to him. Huh. The guy who just the same was fighting for the Jews, the Catholics, and all the rest of the people who get pushed around. 
doesn't make sense, Sam. You're telling me. Yeah, I, I remember thinking when we were crawling up one of those Jap island beaches with slugs whistling around us and knocking off one guy out of three that, well, maybe after this war was over, we'd wake up to the fact that when the chips are down, it doesn't matter what prayer book you read out of or what color your face is. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I guess I was all cockeyed. No, I think a lot of people did wake up, Sam, but that's not what I was thinking of when I said it didn't make sense. I was thinking that if the state police fired into the crowd, how come only Joe was hit? Particularly with Tommy guns. I don't know. Well, I'm going to find out. Uh, you'll be around here for a while yet, won't you, Sam? I'll be around until they tell me Joe's going to pull through. It takes a week. Okay. Okay, I'm going over to state police headquarters. I'll be back in a few minutes. A few minutes? Mm-hmm. It's 20 miles from here. What are you, Superman? <laughs> Sometimes, Sam. See you later. that for me, Sergeant? Uh, sure. After I went in and told the governor my men didn't like the idea of pointing guns at ex-GIs, because most of them were in the army themselves, yeah. and after Latimer, well, he was in the governor's office. Big George Latimer? Yeah, that's right. You know, I don't understand it. I cross-examined each one of my men. They all swear they fired way over the heads of the crowd. Hey, wait a minute, Sergeant. Wait a minute. Hmm? I just thought of something. You've got a ballistics expert here, haven't you? I'm the ballistics man. You? Oh, good. You're coming back to the hospital with me as fast as we can get there. Come on. Are you sure, Doctor, that this is the bullet removed from Joe Martin's chest? Just beneath the heart. All right, Sergeant. Here it is. Can you tell from what kind of a gun it was fired? Let's see. Yes. 32 automatic. No doubt about that? No doubt at all. It could never have been shot out of a Tommy gun. That, of course, clears my men. Wait a minute. The state police carry sidearms, don't they? Yes, but they're 44 caliber police specials. They're revolvers, not automatics. And this bullet came from an automatic. Weighing the twisted lead bullet in his hand, Sergeant Adams of the state police makes a positive statement. A statement that opens a new trail for Superman. In the waiting room at the Metropolis Hospital, Sergeant Adams, ballistics expert of the state police, in the presence of Clark Kent and Sam Robbins, has made an amazing statement. But the bullet that plowed its way into Joe Martin's chest was fired from a 32 automatic, not from a Tommy gun. For a moment, even Kent is amazed. Then... You're sure about that, Sergeant? I'm positive. You mean someone else fired the shot at Joe? It wasn't one of the cops? But it looks like Sam. But who did it? Well, from now on, our job is to find out. Well, all I know oh, is I'm going to... Hold it. Here comes George Latimer. Excuse me. The uh, nurse at the desk said some friends of Joe Martin were in here. My name is George Latimer. I'm a friend of Joe's. Oh, that's fine, son. Uh, what's your name? Robbins. Sam Robbins. Oh, really? I know you, Sergeant. Adams, right? That's right. And uh, this gentleman? Kent. Daily Planet. Oh, yes. I've heard of you, Kent. Star reporter. Great paper, Planet. Even though it fights me, but that doesn't mean anything, of course. Big George Latimer loves a fight. <laughs> we can't see anything to laugh about, Mr. Latimer. Joe Martin is pretty close to dying in one of these rooms. Yes, that's why I'm here. Governor Woodward asked me to come down and see what I could do for you, Martin. Oh? At the same time, to correct the impression some people seem to have that Martin was wounded by the state police. Wasn't he? No, Kent, he wasn't. Well, what did happen? Who shot Martin? Well, I was standing on the top step of the Capitol with the governor when the crowd of veterans got a little too excited. 
started up the steps. I saw one of them pull a gun. Then the governor, certainly was about to be attacked, gave the order to fire. Naturally, one couldn't hear a pistol shot with Tommy guns blazing. Are you trying to tell us that one of the veterans shot Joe Martin? Yes, Kent, I am. It's an old trick, and it was pulled this time to make the governor and the state police look bad. You think you could identify the man you saw pull the gun? Yes. And I don't have to go far. There he is, standing right next to you. What? His name is Sam Robbins. Stunned. Stunned beyond even the power of speech. Clark Kent and Sergeant Adams turn to Sam Robbins as Big George Latimer points an accusing finger at the dark-haired ex-GI. What does this mean? A man like Latimer certainly can't afford to make a public accusation of attempted murder without being able to prove it. Fellows and girls, you're in for a thrill a minute in tomorrow's exciting episode of this story. As even Superman, with all his strength and cleverness, finds himself caught in a monstrous web of hatred and intolerance. So don't miss it. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Chef. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents The Adventures of Superman. As our story continues, crooked political boss George Latimer's amazing accusation is greeted with shocked silence by the man of steel and the accused. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, anything that's good to eat is fun to eat. So start your day by having fun right at the breakfast table with a bowl of Kellogg's Pep. Is it good? Why, Kellogg's Pep has a regular talent for tickling your teeth. It's a regular fun feast. Those delicate whole wheat flakes are so crisp and fresh, so cool and downright catchy tasting that you get a bang out of every single spoonful. Yes, sir. And who wouldn't get a bang out of those slick pet prizes? Three different kinds of prizes, one or the other in every package of pet you open. For instance, uh, you may find one of 24 keen bird pictures in gleaming bright color with a description on the reverse side so that you'll be a wise bird on birds, all right. Or uh, you may find an exciting colored cardboard model of a fighting plane. Easy and fun to assemble. And you can collect all seven model planes in the series. Or uh, your next pet prize may be a bright-colored comic button picturing one of 18 famous characters like bunnies to pin on your beanie cap or your jacket. So hop to it, gang. Collect all three kinds of these smooth prizes. Ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Now the adventures of Superman. Protesting that returned G.I.s were being kept out of state jobs because of their race or religion, 
A thousand veterans of World War II, led by young Joe Martin, brother of B, the Daily Planet copy boy, gathered on the steps of the state capitol and demanded an explanation from Governor Frank Wheeler. Angered by the governor's denial of discrimination, the veterans surged up the capitol steps. Losing his head, Wheeler ordered a squad of state troopers to fire at the crowd. The troopers fired high over the heads of the veterans. Yet, a moment later, Joe Martin collapsed with a bullet in his chest. At the Metropolis Hospital, Clark Kent, Sergeant Adams, ballistics expert of the state police, and Sam Robbins, a close friend of Joe Martin, determined that the bullet fired at Joe had come from a 32 automatic, not a Tommy gun. They were discussing the matter in the hospital waiting room when big George Latimer, political boss of the state, joined them and reported that he had been standing on the top step of the Capitol with the governor and had seen one of the veterans pull a gun. Questioned by Kent as to whether he could identify the veteran, Latimer pointed an accusing finger at Sam Robbins. That's the man who pulled the gun. For a timeless moment, the shock of the accusation left his hearers speechless. Deadly silence hung like a pall over the four men. Then suddenly, Sam Robbins stiffened and flushed. What did you say? I said, you're the man I saw pull a gun. Why, you dirty rat! Come here! Get him off me! Come on! Get him off me! 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 Take it easy, fella. Sure, take it easy. Take it easy. Hold it. That's what I've been doing all my life, taking it easy. Turning the other cheeks or rats like him can front. All right, all right, all right, Sam. Sergeant, take him out to your car. Wait there for me. Let's go, fella. Wait a minute. He said I should Sam, go. Oh, I didn't say anything of the sort. You are you mad, Sam? This is the hospital, Sam. Control yourself. All right, take him out to the car, Sergeant. Come on, fellow. I'm not finished with him yet. Remember that. You all right, Mr. Latimer? Oh, yes. Yes, thanks to you. I certainly never expected anything like that. Of course, it's understandable. Many of those boys are still suffering from battle fatigue. That wasn't battle fatigue. He accused him of shooting his best friend. Oh, no, Kent. I simply said he was the man I saw with a gun. I said nothing about shooting. How sure are you he was the man? Well, sure as I could be under the circumstances. It was a great deal of excitement at the time. Well, then you're not positive. I wouldn't want to swear it under oath if a man's life were at stake. However... Yes? I don't want you to misunderstand. But I can see the possibility of a situation wherein Robbins could have fired a shot at Joe Martin. You mean accidentally? Well, no, not quite. Well, I'm afraid I don't understand. I admit it's a little difficult unless you know the background. Mind you, this is just a supposition on my part. It's a passing thought that I can't possibly prove. And I wouldn't want to if I could. But look at it this way. A mob of war veterans is crowding up the Capitol steps. The governor, in a moment of understandable panic, orders the state troopers to fire. Wisely, they fire over the heads of the crowd. But Robbins, taking advantage of the confusion and the deafening noise of the Tommy gun... Fires a shot at Joe Martin, certain that the blame will be leveled at Governor Wheeler and the state police. Do you realize what you're saying, Mr. Latimer? I pointed out, Kent, that this was all just a guess. However, men like Robin sometimes lose their heads, as you saw just a few minutes ago. They don't think straight. And you believe Robbins would commit murder? Joe Martin may die, remember, in order to discredit the governor and the state police? It's been done before by men like Robbins. Keep repeating the phrase, men like Robbins. What do you mean by that? Well, men who don't quite go along with the American way of life. You know, men with foreign backgrounds. Oh. What's your background, Mr. Latimer? My background? Yes. I'm an American. My father was born here. See, what about your grandfather? Well, he was born in England. But, oh, uh, then you have a foreign background, too. Oh, now, don't twist it around, Kent. You know what I mean. Yes, 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 I'm afraid I do. You mean that because Robbins doesn't belong to your church, he's a potential murderer? I never said that. Look, Kent, I suggest we drop the entire matter. I came here at the governor's request to see what I could do for the boy who was shot. As far as I'm concerned, I'm willing to forget the incident ever took place. Well, unfortunately, I'm not. Because it's obvious there's more to this than appears on the surface. 
Right now, I've got to go out and have a talk with Robbins, but I'll be seeing you again, Mr. Latimer. Perhaps very soon. Latimer says he saw you pull a gun, but he wouldn't swear to it on the stand. That's white of him, dirty... Now, look, wait a minute. Sam, don't lose your head. I good my head with a knife in my back. Now, in the first place, there isn't a... Uh-oh, hold everything. This bird coming over to the car is the police reporter for the Daily Clarion. Hi, Sergeant. Hello, Williams. Oh, hello, Kent. Fancy meeting you here. Hello, Williams. What's the dope on the G.I. shooting? Uh, there isn't any. Come on, come on, don't give me that. What's the lowdown? I told you, there isn't any. Who is this guy? Friend of mine. You always entertain your friends in the backseat of a state police car? Uh-huh, when I feel like it, I do. He looks like he's in trouble. Why don't you print that in your paper? Sam. Sam Robbins looks like he's in trouble. That's your name? Look, Williams, this is a private conversation. Beat it, huh? What's he afraid to talk he's for? He's not. Who's afraid to talk? Hold it, Sam. He can't scare me. Sam. Let him print it in his lousy paper. Let him say that Latimer accused me of shooting Joe Martin. Big George Latimer. Sam. Yeah, Big George. Big rat. Put that in your paper. Ready, oh. Sam. Two ten Carson Avenue, and I'm out of a job because Latimer doesn't think I'm an American. Put that in. Too. Okay, pal, thanks. That's a big mistake, Sam. What have I got to lose? What have you... Okay, forget it. Now, look, tell me. You remember who was on either side of you when the crowd started up the Capitol steps? Yeah. Uh, Joe was on my right and Eddie yeah. Kane... Yeah, yeah, Eddie was on my left and uh, Bob Sloan was behind me. All right, where can I find Kane and Sloan? They're at the Legion Post on 12th Street with the rest of the boys. Oh. They all wanted to come to the hospital, but I told them to wait at the post. Okay, where are you going now? I'm sticking around here until I get some news about Joe. Yeah, well, uh, look, uh, Sam Latimer may still be in the hospital. Promise me you won't tangle with him. I promise. Good boy. But it won't be easy. I know, I know. I'll be back after I talk to Kane and Sloan. Uh, wh- what about you, Sergeant? I want to take this bullet back to the barracks and make sure I was right about it coming out of an automatic. Good idea. Okay, I'll run along then. Oh, oh wait a minute. I forgot something. Hmm? In view of what's happened, Sergeant, you may not want to let Robbins out of your custody. There's no reason for holding him. We've got no case yet. That's right, you haven't. But you may have before I'm through. A very important case. <laughs> Hurrying to the American Legion post on 12th Street, Superman in the guise of Clark Kent, reporter, located Eddie Kane and Bob Sloan. And as we join him now, he is alone with the two veterans in a small room where he has been questioning them for almost an hour. All right, fellas, it all boils down to this. You're both ready to swear on a stack of Bibles that Sam Robbins had no gun in his hand, and since he had no gun, could not have fired the shot that wounded Joe Martin. I'll swear it on two stacks. That goes for me, too. Good. I'll even lay money that Sammy never owned a gun. Remember, Bob, when we had a chance to bring a lot of them Jap pistols back for souvenirs, and Sam was the guy that talked us out of it on account of he said it was dangerous keeping stuff like that around the house, remember? Sure. Who said he had a gun? Well, for the tenth time, I can't tell you. What difference does it make? The difference is I'd like to put the guy one in the beak. I know. Well, you may get that chance, but not now. All I'm trying to do now is clear Sam's skirts. What about Joe Martin? He'll tell you. Joe's in a coma. And he may not pull through. If he don't, there'll be trouble. We got a thousand guys who did a lot of killing in the last four years. We have to. We'll do a little more. Joe better pull through. Everything possible is being done for him. Is Sam still at the hospital? Yes, he is. He'll call you if anything breaks. Now, look, fellas, in the meantime, keep everything under your hat, huh? Don't discuss this with anyone. Okay, Mr. Kent. Thanks for working on it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Not at all. Glad to do it. Yeah, how is it? Eddie, I got something to show you. What? Here, look at this. I heard a kid yelling extra, and I went out and bought one. It's the clarion. Holy cat. What is it? Look. Gun found in veteran's home. The 32 automatic reportedly responsible for the bullet that may cost the life of Joe Martin here in Okinawa was today found in a bureau drawer in the home of Sam Robbins, also an ex-GI and supposedly Martin's close friend. Great Scott! Mr. Kent, 
What does that mean? How? how... I... I don't know, Eddie. I... I honestly don't know. Dazed at this sudden and unexpected turn of events, Clark Kent stares at the big black headlines flashed across the front page of the Daily Clarion. Unable for the moment to marshal his confused thoughts. What does it mean? Is Sam Robbins guilty? Gang, from this moment on, Superman himself takes a powerful hand in this tense and exciting story of prejudice that leads to murder. So don't miss a single thrilling episode. Tune in tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Come on, pet. P-T-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, a peculiar chain of circumstances forces Superman into a situation in which he is required to make a decision that may put him outside the law. gang, this is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, if you're ever asked to define the word delicious, just give us an example, Kellogg's Pep, because Pep sure is that kind of breakfast dish. Fact is, uh, Pep just about doubles everything you say for delicious. It's got a good golden pill-toasted flavor, and it's strictly on the catchy side. In short, a Pep flavor, meaning plenty terrific. Yes, sir, when it comes to delicious,
beaches, those cool, crisp whole wheat flakes of Pep really give you the business. And that's only half the story. Why, Pep gives you the slickest prizes ever. Three different kinds, one or the other, in every package of Pep you open. You get either a bright-colored comic button picturing one of 18 favorite comic strip characters to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap, or uh, you get a colored cardboard model of a fighting plane. And by swapping duplicates with the gang, you can collect all seven model planes in the series. Or uh, you can get a full-color bird picture. There are 24 of these in all, each with a full description so that you'll really know a thing or two about birds. Honest, gang, all three kinds of prizes will really send you. So ask Bum to get you Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Now the adventures of Superman. Led by Joe Martin, brother of Beanie Martin, Daily Planet copy boy, a group of a thousand G.I. veterans descended on the state capitol, charging that the governor, Frank Wheeler, was practicing racial and religious discrimination in awarding state jobs. Ordered by the governor to disperse the men, a squad of state troopers fired tommy guns over the veterans' heads. But when the firing ceased, Joe Martin was down with a bullet in his chest. At the Metropolis Hospital, the bullet was removed and identified as having been fired from a 32 caliber automatic. And Big George Latterman, the state political boss, said he had seen Sam Robbins, Joe's lifelong friend and war buddy, brandishing an automatic during the demonstration. A short time later, the Daily Planet's opposition paper, The Clarion, the startling news that a 32 automatic had been found in Sam Robbins' house. As we continue now, Clark can't hurry to the state police barracks where he is conferring with Sergeant Adams. Listen. This story in the Daily Clarion, Sergeant, is it true? It's true, all right, Kent. We found a 32 automatic in Sam Robbins' house within his bureau drawer. But that's I'm going prove... to put the Robbins' gun through a ballistic test. That'll show whether or not his gun fired the slug taken from Joe Martin's body. Oh, I see. Want to come along? Sure, you bet I do. Okay, come down with me to the basement, the shooting range. <laughs> Kent, every gun barrel puts its own trademark on the bullet it fires. Certain little furrows and markings on the metal, which you can't see with the naked eye, are put there by the rifling of the barrel. Yes, I know about that, Sergeant. I... Okay, then. Now, I'm going to fire this gun we found in Robin's house into this box. It's filled with padding and tightly packed sawdust, so the bullet won't flatten or take on any new markings. Then I'll compare it with the slug they removed from Joe Martin's body. I told you I know about that, Sergeant. Go ahead with the test. Okay, here goes. There. Now, I'll get the slug, and we'll take it up to the laboratory for comparison. We'll just put this bullet under the microscope, Kent, alongside the one that came out of Joe Martin's body. And I'll tell you in a moment. There we are. There we are. What? Just a minute. Now, the last quartering. There. Well, Sergeant? That's it, Kent. That's what? What's the answer? The slug I fired into the box and the one taken from Joe Martin's body. They match. They do. That's right. The gun we found in Robin's house fired both shots. Let's go. Now, wait a minute. Go where? I'm going to get a warrant for Sam Robin's arrest on a charge of assault with attempt to kill. And if Joe Martin dies, Robin's will be held for murder. One hour later, Clark Kent is admitted to a temporary detention cell at Big Trooper's headquarters, where Sam Robin's shakes his head dazedly as he says... I can't understand it, Mr. Kent. I never owned a 32 automatic or any other kind of a gun. So how could the state troopers find that gun in my room? I don't know, but they did find it. Look, Sam, do any other members of your family own guns? No, it's just my mother and my kid brother and sister. What would they want with a gun? Listen, Mr. Kent, if the troopers found that automatic in my bureau, or like they say, and somebody planted it there to frame me. Now, wait, somebody Sam. wanted to make me out as the guy who shot Joe Martin. Ha, me shoot Joe. Can you imagine that? But Joe, Joe's my pal. We grew up together. We fought the war together. Why, we've always been just like brothers. I know, Sam, I know. Now somebody wants the police to think I shot him. Look, Mr. Kent, 
You don't think that, do you? No, I don't, Sam. Thank you. And my, my boys, the ones you talk with, they don't think I shot Joe, do they? Of course not. As a matter of fact, when they heard that big George Latimer said he saw you pull an automatic on the Capitol steps, they wanted to take him apart. Latimer's a liar. I told him so once, and I'll tell him so again. I'll tell it to anybody. Easy, Sam. Wait a minute. He said he might be mistaken. Yeah, he said. He didn't act like he was. Oh, but why would he... Yeah, I wonder. What? Oh, just a wild idea I had for a moment. Look, let, let's try this from a different angle, Sam, huh? Have you any idea why anyone would want to shoot Joe? Does he, does he have any enemies? Joe Martin? Yeah. No, everybody was always crazy about him. He was one of the most popular guys in the Army. Well, then why? Yeah, why? I've been knocking myself out trying to figure that one. I can't come up with an answer. We've got to find the answer, Sam. When we do, we'll be able to find the person who shot Joe Martin. Now, look, I, uh, I've got to leave now, but don't be discouraged. The police have some fairly strong circumstantial evidence against you. But there are one or two big holes in it. And if I... Mr. Kent. Is that you, Jim? Yeah. I called the office in the hospital and they said you were here. I rushed right over. What's up? Well, you're here. Well, hello, Sam. Hi, Jim. How's Joe? Well, he's about the same. Still in a coma. Nobody can see him. Oh, poor Joe. Well, you fellas didn't see the latest edition of the Clarion yet, did you? Clarion? No. What are they saying now? Here, I'll pass it through the bar. See for yourself. Let me see. Uh-oh. Sam Robbins condemned by mother. What? Condemned by my mother? What does that mean? Listen Mrs. Louis Robbins, mother of Samuel Robbins, who was arrested today charged with shooting Joe Martin, a G.I. veteran, admitted that her son appeared at their home a short time after the shooting at the state capitol building. What? Wait, Sam. Go on, Mr. Kent. Mrs. Robbins stated that her son seemed to be under great emotional stress. He raced up to his room, and Mrs. Robbins said she heard a bureau drawer being opened. A moment later, Sam rushed down the stairs and out of the house, calling to his mother that he was going to the hospital. As readers of the clarion know, it was in Sam Robbins' bureau drawer that state troopers later found a thirty-two automatic with which Joe Martin had been shot. And it is to be assumed that Robbins returned to his home to hide the telltale weapon. What? Then raced to the hospital to appear in a sympathetic role. Why, but... Just don't, Sam. Wait a minute. Is this story true? I mean, about your returning to your home before you went to the hospital? Well, sure. I had a few hundred dollars in my bureau drawer that I saved in the army, and I wanted to take it to the hospital to make sure that Joe got a private room and the best doctor's money could buy. Didn't the clarion ask you about that before they printed the story? No. Cheapers. Clarion's a sensation sheet, Jim. They're more interested in headlines than facts. But gee whiz, they're practically condemning Sam before the case even goes to trial. Well, that's the way the Clarion does business. Well, dirty business, if you ask me. Yes, but that's beside the point right now. This is bad, very bad. Sam's mother admitting he rushed into the house after the shooting and went up to his room before he left for the house. Mom didn't know she was making it tough for me. Of course she didn't, but anyhow, she had to tell the truth. But the Clarion twisted the truth. They made it well, we're wasting time. The cards are stacked against Sam now, and unless we get to the bottom of this very quickly... How are we going to do that? Yeah, that's what I want to know. There's one way. There is? What's that, Mr. Kent? There's no time to talk about it now. Keep your chin up, Sam. Jim, get Hogan and let me out of here. We're going places. Followed by Jimmy Olsen, Clark Kent hurries from Sam Robbins' cell. What is Kent's plan? Leaving state police headquarters, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen took a taxi to the Metropolis Hospital. As we join them now, they are walking through the third floor corridor toward Joe Martin's room. You see, Jim, Sam was standing right next to Joe Martin when Joe was shot. So Joe should be able to tell us whether Sam shot him or not. Well, of course Sam didn't shoot him, but how's Joe going to tell us? He's in a coma. I said this was only a chance. I'm hoping Joe comes out of his coma, and I want to be here when he... Uh-oh, here comes Dr. Mitchell now. Dr. Mitchell! Oh, Kent, I was just going to call you. Oh? You know where I can get hold of Sam Robbins? He's in jail. In jail? Yeah, the state... Just a moment, Jim. Why do you want Sam, Doctor? Joe Martin is asking for him. Joe's out of his coma? Can we see him? By no means. He's in a very critical condition. But for the last half hour, he's been asking constantly for Sam Robbins. I believe he thinks something happened to Robbins, and at this stage, anxiety is very bad for him. I see. He's approaching a crisis now, and 
While I can't go so far as to say Robin's presence will save his life... But it might. Is that it, Doctor? Yes. But you say Robin's is in jail. That makes it very difficult. I wonder if there isn't much time. Do you suppose if I called the police and explained... Well, they wouldn't let Sam out. They think he shot Joe. What? Yes. As you say, this makes it very difficult, Doctor. Very difficult. Unless I... Unless you want, Mr. Kent. Unless I break the law. Puzzled, Jimmy Olsen and Dr. Mitchell stare at Clark Kent, whose knitted brow gives evidence of the struggle taking place within him. In his mind, as if two attorneys were arrayed against each other, he hears himself argue with Superman as Clark Kent. I'm Superman. I can easily bend the bars of Sam Robbins' cell and bring him to the hospital. But that would be breaking the laws of your country. And Superman fights to uphold law and order. But a man's life is at stake. Two men's lives. If Joe dies, Sam Robbins will die too. In the electric chair. Only Joe may be able to save his life. True. Nevertheless, you have no right to take the law into your own hands. You know that. Yes, yes, I know. What'll I do? What will I do? Yes, what will Superman do? What would you do if you were in his place? Don't miss Monday's thrilling episode when the man of steel makes his decision and comes to grips with the vicious creators of bigotry and intolerance. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yee-hoo! The Loot Crate box. What's with kids today, huh? Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are boxes just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash Loot Crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash Loot Crate. Great Scott! Snap into a Loot Crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Come on. E-E-E-Pep! Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman! Today 
case, Superman is faced with a serious situation involving the possible necessity of breaking the law in order to save the lives of two ex-GI victims of a bigoted political machine. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, with school starting, it won't be long before you fellas and girls will be going in for all kinds of school games and activities. And uh, are you going to show up at your best unless you eat a good breakfast? I mean, now's the time, more than ever, to pack a good bowl of Kellogg's Pep under your belt. Every single dish of Pep gives you solid whole wheat nourishment plus. And these crisp, delicate golden flakes of Pep taste so downright terrific that you want to eat hearty. They're so strictly delicious, they're fun to eat. And for an extra bonus of fun, just take a look inside your next package of Pep for your prize, your surprise prize, because you may find an exciting colored cardboard model of a fighting plane, easy and fun to assemble. There are seven model planes you can collect. Or uh, you may find one of 24 full-color bird pictures with a description to help you identify each of these birds when you see it. Or your prize might be a bright-colored comic button picturing one of 18 famous characters straight out of the funnies to pin on your beanie cap or your jacket. Yes, all three kinds of pet prizes are super, so ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pet the Sunshine Cereal and look for your prize inside the package. Now, the adventures of Superman. Superman is face-to-face with the most difficult decision of his career. In the Metropolis Hospital, seriously wounded and near lies Joe Martin, war hero. In the state police jail is Sam Robbins, Joe's lifelong friend and war buddy who was accused of shooting Joe during a G.I. demonstration at the state capitol. A demonstration against the governor, whom veterans charged with practicing racial and religious discrimination in awarding state jobs. In his guise of Clark Kent, Superman has just learned that Joe Martin is asking for Sam, and that the doctor feels that Sam's presence at the bedside might save Joe's life. And so the Man of Steel has had to make a great decision, whether or not to violate the law and free Sam from jail. As we continue now, resolved to make one final effort on the side of law and order, Superman speaks to state police headquarters, where we find him pleading with Sergeant Adams. Listen. I never asked a favor before, Sergeant, but I'm asking one now in the name of justice and humanity. Parole Sam Robbins in my custody for one hour. I'll promise to bring him back. I can't do it, Superman. We're holding Robbins on an assault warrant. And if Joe Martin dies, Robbins will be held for murder. You'll be holding an innocent man. I don't think you know the details of this case. I know all about it. And you still think he's innocent? I'm sure he is. And if you let me take him to the hospital now, I may be able to prove it. How? Joe Martin is partially out of his coma, and he's been calling for Sam. The doctor thinks Sam's presence might pull him through the crisis. Well, if you put it that way... That's the way it is. Besides, I promised to bring Sam back here within one hour. Have you ever heard of Superman breaking his word? No, no, of course not. You've been a tremendous help to the police. Then what do you say? Okay. Good boy, Sergeant. Come on down to the cell block with me. Bye. Come on, Hogan. Get that cell door open. There's something wrong with the lock, Sergeant. You've been meaning to report it. You dread it. Key broke open the lock. Oh, great. Now what do we do? It'll be an hour before we can get a locksmith here. Just my luck. Back, Sam. I'll have you out in a jiffy. Might if I bend a couple of these bars, Sergeant? I'll bend them back as soon as Sam steps out. Bend the bars? Oh, yes. Quite simple. <laughs> See? Leap and mackerel. Don't break them in bars like they was pretty. Well, come on, Sam. Don't stand there with your mouth open. Move. Sorry, that trick had a cord. Me too. Now, I'll just bend these bars back. Like this. Like he did it again. Okay, let's go, Sam. <laughs> Leaving state police headquarters, 
Superman picks Sam Robbins up in his arms. Then, up, up, and away! Leaping high into the air, the Man of Steel rockets across the great city to the Metropolis Hospital, where he sets Sam Robbins down and disappears. A few minutes later, once more, his eyes and garb of Clark Kent. He noiselessly enters the room where Joe Morton lies. His voice weak and babbling, Joe speaks to Sam Robbins, who sits at the bedside, tears streaming unashamedly down his cheeks. Dr. Mitchell motions for Kent to approach. A nurse stands by, alertly. We're here, aren't you, Sam? Yes. You're here, beside me. Sure, Joe. Sure, sure, I'm right here. Those, those jabs and those mortars. I, I thought you were going to get it that time. Those nips get me? What's the matter with you, Joe? You know they haven't got our numbers. No, I, I guess not. I guess it. He, he thinks yeah. we're back on Iwo Jima. We got cut off there on the beach, just the two of us. And some Jap mortars had us spotted and were heaving them over. Joe got hit in the leg and couldn't run, so I... Well, I had to go go in after those Japs. Well, there wasn't anything. No? No, no. Joe thought, sure, I got it, and that's... Sam! Sam! Yeah. Yeah, Sam. yeah Joe, I'm here. Oh. I... I'm sleepy. I... I think I'll take a nap. He'll... He'll stick around. Won't you? Yeah, sure. You go to sleep, kid. I'll be right here. Yeah. Oh. Doctor! Doc! Joe's gone. No, he's not. He's lost consciousness again, but as a matter of fact, his pulse is stronger than he was before. You mean it, Doc? You're not kidding me. Yes, I mean it. Your visit has helped him tremendously. I can't say for certain yet, but I really think he has a good chance to recover now. Oh, that's wonderful, Doctor. He better recover. He better. If he doesn't, I swear I'll get that guy who shot him. I swear I will if I have to come back from the grave to do it. Easy, son. I, Easy. I'll have to ask you gentlemen to leave now. I'll keep you the door. Okay. Come on, Sam. I know, Mr. Kent. Back to jail. Yes, but just for a little while. Yeah, you hope. Kent escorts Sam Robbins back to jail, then leaves to resume his search for the unknown person who shot Joe Martin. A much different scene is taking place in the governor's office at the state capitol building. There, immaculately groomed, a fresh pink carnation in his buttonhole. Big George Latimer, the state political boss, removes his cigar from his mouth. Smiles at Governor Frank Wheeler. What are you looking so worried about, Frank? <laughs> Everything's going fine. Fine? Are you kidding? No, of course not. Well, you must be. Have you forgotten that veterans' demonstration here yesterday? Have you forgotten that one of the veterans, Joe Martin, was shot on the Capitol steps? Of course I haven't forgotten. That's why I say everything's going fine. I don't understand. Look, the veterans are a nuisance because they want jobs. We don't want to give them any. You mean you don't? You handle the patrons. All right, I don't. Because those jobs are for the party boys. The fellows who get the voters to the poll and get them to vote our way. Those are the fellows who got you elected governor, Frank. I know. What are you driving at? That's this. We don't have to worry anymore about the veterans putting up a stink. They fixed themselves yesterday. Fixed themselves? How? Sam Robbins shot Joe Martin. You see, Robbins is a foreigner. No, he isn't. He's an American citizen. He fought in the war. Even got a couple of decorations. So what? He's a Jew, isn't he? Well, yes, but... To us, he's a foreigner. There are a lot of other veterans at that demonstration. Catholics and hunkies and Italians and Negroes. Dirty foreigners, all of them. That's not true, George, and you know it. Of course it's not true. 
Plenty of suckers believe it, and that's all we care about. So we show them a Jew who shoots his best friend who's a Protestant. That's the kind of guy who wants a state job for himself and for other partners like him. But Sam Robbins doesn't want a state job. Plenty of newspapers who think our way, like the Daily Clarion, say Robbins does want a state job. And that is the leader of these foreign veteran punks. That makes the job hunting veterans look bad. We don't have to worry about them anymore. You get it? Yes, I think I do. It's kind of dirty, George. Dirty? No, it's just my politics. <laughs> Relax, Frank. All your troubles are over. Yes? What is it, Briggs? Excuse me, sir. But this telephone message just came from Mr. Latimer. Party said it was urgent. Me? Let's have it, Briggs. Here you are, sir. Will that be all? Yes, yes. Good Lord. No. What is it, George? Bad news, Frank. Bad news for me and for you. His forward face paling, big George Latimer reads the message again, as if hoping his eyes deceived him. What is in the message? Governor Wheeler's office in the state capitol. A message has just been delivered to big George Latimer, the state political board. Latimer pales as he reads it. This is bad news, Frank. Bad news for me and for you. Well, what is it, George? In the metropolis hospital. Told them to keep him posted on Joe Martin's condition. They say Martin has passed the crisis. He should recover. Well, that's fine. Why do you call it bad news? You fool. Didn't I just tell you the only way we can get those veteran punks off our necks is by making them look bad? Why, why yes, but well, they still look bad, don't they? Robin shot Martin, and even if Martin recovered... You say Robin didn't shoot him. But I thought you said you saw him pull a gun and it was found in his house. So what? Wait a minute, Ed. Do you mean you didn't see him pull a gun? What's the difference whether I saw him or not? I said so, didn't I? Everybody believed it. Bad, Frank. We've got to do something. Do it fast. Quiet. Yeah, I've got it. Get Briggs in here. Hurry. His pale, malicious eyes gleaming, Big George Latimer paces the governor's office, and he formulates a swift and evil plan to strike against decency. What does he intend to do? And how will it affect our friends? Tomorrow's episode is tense with action and excitement, gang, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pet. P E P Pet. Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal presents The Adventures of Superman. While the Man of Steel proceeds toward proving Sam Robbins' innocence, crooked political boss Big George Latimer learns to his unhappy amazement that Joe Martin may recover. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, which would you rather collect? Model airplanes, full-color pictures of birds, 
or comic buttons to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap. Well, you don't have to choose between them. No, sir, from now on you can collect all three kinds of those swell prizes. Because right in your next package of Kellogg's Pat, the Sunshine Cereal, you'll find either a colored cardboard model of a famous fighting plane, one of seven in the great Pat Air Fleet, or you'll find one of 24 beautiful color pictures of birds with a full description so you can identify these birds anywhere. Or uh, you'll find one of a grand series of 18 colored comic buttons with characters straight out of the funnies. There's one or the other of these keen prizes in every package of Pet. Just as if Pep's golden Christmas and, and sunny flavor weren't a prize all by themselves. Why, Pep's so strictly terrific tasting that a bowl of those crunchy golden whole wheat flakes makes breakfast a regular fun feast. You get that catchy pet flavor and bingo, your spoon just naturally dips down on your dish for more. So for an all-round prize breakfast dish, ask Mom to get you a supply of Kellogg's Pep first thing tomorrow. Now the adventures of Superman. Sam Robbins, a war veteran, has been accused of shooting Joe Martin, another veteran, and his best friend during a G.I. demonstration against Governor Wheeler, whom the veterans charged with practicing racial and religious discrimination in awarding state jobs. Although strong circumstantial evidence has been produced against Sam, Clark Kent believes he is the victim of a sinister plot by persons as yet unknown. Big George Latimer, the state political boss, who had first directed suspicion against Sam, became concerned when he learned that Joe Martin might recover and deny that Sam Robbins had shot him. And so, as we continue now, Lippy Williams, police reporter for the Metropolis Clarion, a sensational scandal newspaper, has arrived at the governor's office in response to an urgent summons from Latimer. As Governor Wheeler fidgets nervously in his chair, Big George Latimer addresses Williams. Listen. I'll get this, Lippy. Here's the line I want you to take in the Clarion. Play it for all it's worth. Sam Robbins, a veteran, shot Joe Martin, another veteran, because he wanted to make trouble for the governor. Now, wait a minute, You stay out of it, please, Frank. I know what I'm doing. You follow me, Lippy? Yeah, you said Robin shot Martin to make trouble for the governor, but I don't get it. Robbins figured the state troopers, whom the governor ordered to disperse the G.I.s, would be blamed for the shooting. It took place while the troopers were firing over the men's heads. So the rap would be pinned on Frank here, the governor. See? Sure, I see that, but why should Robbins want to make trouble for Governor Wheeler? Because Robbins is a foreigner. And that's what the foreigners want. To stir up a lot of trouble and then start a revolution to change the government. Oh, you know it isn't true, George. Will you stay out of this, Frank? Of course it isn't true. If we make enough people believe it... Just a minute, Mr. Latimer. You said Sam Robbins was a foreigner, but you're wrong. He was born right here in Metropolis. So what? He's a Jew, isn't he? Sure, but that's only his religion. That doesn't make him a foreigner. That's what I've been trying to tell, George. What's the matter with you two? Where are your brains? Now, look, George. I have several Jewish Shut friends. Up. You're doing all right on the clarion, aren't you? Me? Sure, I'm doing swell. Some of the boys at the newspaper club look the other way when I come in because they don't like the smell of the clarion, but I don't care. I make more dough than most of them. And you want to go on making that dough, don't you? What are you driving at, Mr. Latimer? Just this. I have a great deal of influence at the clarion. Sure, I know you have. And if I wanted to have you fired tomorrow, I could. I guess you could. So what? So I'm just reminding you that you're here to listen to me. Not to put up any arguments. Okay by me, Mr. Latimer. It's no skin off me. What you say about the Jews or anybody else? I was just pointing out the facts. Never mind the facts. I say the Jews are foreigners. And so are the Catholics and the Negroes. Everybody else who isn't a native-born white Protestant. That clear? <laughs> you sound like those guys who run around in sheets and hoods, but like I say, it's no skin off me. Only, uh, what's the reason for all this, Mr. Latimer? He wants to smear the veterans who are applying for state jobs by claiming they're led by what he calls foreigners. That's right. Fellows like Sam Robbins. 
We'll shoot their best friend to get what they want. Oh, so that's a gimmick. You want to get these job-hunting veterans off your neck so you can go on passing out all the soft jobs to your boys. That's none of your business, Lippy. Oh, that's why you... That's enough. Huh? Oh, the governor isn't in on that. I'm not in on what? Look here. What are you two hiding from me? Nothing, Frank. I don't believe it. You admitted to me that you didn't see Sam Robbins pull a gun during the demonstration last night. But you told the police he did. And now Robbins is in jail. If Martin dies, Robbins will be tried for murder. That's just the trouble. Martin may pull through. Say Robbins didn't shoot him. That's why I want the Clarion to go to town on this story. I want Robbins so dirtied up and all the other farms with him that even if Joe Martin does recover and says Robbins didn't shoot him, nobody will believe him. Now, wait. I get it. You want Robbins tried on the front page of the Clarion and condemned before Joe Martin can get into the witness box and clear him. Now you're using your head. I refuse to be a party to a rotten deal like that. You listen to me, George Latimer. You may have been instrumental in having me elected governor. May have been. Oh, right, your political machine did elect I elected you. And I can break you. Don't forget that. What do you mean? Just try stepping on my toes and you'll find out what I mean. Okay, Lippy. Get going. I want a story on the first page of the clarion that'll set this state on its ear. I'll give it to you if it's okay with my boss. Don't worry about your boss. He'll do what I say. I'm on my way. So long, fellas. Come into my office, Ken. I want to talk to you. Okay, Chief. Did you see the latest edition of the Clarion? No, no, I didn't. I've been too busy. What now? No, here. Read it. Thanks. Joe Martin's shooting a foreign plot. Radical veterans led by Sam Robbins schemed to force resignation of courageous Governor Wheeler. Well, of all the... Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it. Of all the dirty, lying, yellow journalism, this takes the case. Yes, it certainly does. Oh, great Scott, Chief. Calling Sam a foreigner, implying he shot Joe Martin as part of a foreign plot against our government, that'll stir up public opinion against Sam. And against all the other veterans who want state jobs. Oh, there's more to it than that, Chief. What do you mean? Well, in the first place, the Karen is practicing an old and rotten strategy to try an accused man in the press before his trial in court comes up so that the public and prospective jurors are prejudiced. Mm, I see what you mean. Yes, and also, this looks to me like a deliberate attempt to fan the flames of religious and racial hatred. Clarion makes a great point here, the fact that Sam Robbins is a Jew and Joe Martin a Protestant. No, I think that's only incidental. No, I don't. Matter of fact, I think that... Great Scott. What now? I just remembered something. Something that may be very important. What? Look, Chief, I was supposed to meet Ben Thompson, the lawyer we hired to defend Sam Robbins, at State Police Headquarters. Yes? Please call him. Please tell him I'll be late. As a matter of fact, I may not be there at all. Well, why not? No, 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 wait a minute. Where are you going? The clarion just gave me a lead. It may clean up this whole dirty mess before any more harm is done. Uh, but wait. Uh, well, so long, Chief. I'll see you later. Leaving Editor Perry, shouting after him, Clark Kent hurries through the Daily Planet City room to the elevators. What is the important clue he says he has just found? In an American Legion post not far from the Daily Planet building, a hundred recently returned veterans of World War II were holding an angry meeting. Most of them had participated in the protest demonstration at the state capitol the preceding night. Now two of them, Eddie Kane and Bob Sloan, are on the platform. Kane holds a copy of the Metropolis Clarion aloft as he addresses his fellows. What's cooking now, Eddie? You all saw what the Clarion says about Sam Robbins and about us, didn't you? The Clarion says Sam is a foreigner. And it says most of us who were at the Capitol last night are foreigners. about us? No! Are we going to let them railroad Sam to the chair when we all know we didn't shoot Joe Martin? Do all you guys feel that way about it? Yeah! Okay. What are we going to do about it? Where's your planet? You better say 
about this. So I move we march down to the state police barracks, all of us, and take Sam out of jail. Leaping from their chairs, the veterans fall into columns of four, march out of the Legion post behind Eddie Kane and Bob Sloan, and head for the barracks of the state police. Marching proudly, fully a hundred grim-faced veterans march on toward the jail. As they march, a flash of what is afoot comes over the teletype in the state capitol building and is immediately rushed to the office of Governor Wheeler, who reads it and pales. Quickly, he reaches for his telephone, dials the private number of Big George Latimer. George, the veterans are marching on the state police barracks. What? Yes, I got the flash from the teletype from headquarters. They must be going to release Sam Robbins. What'll I do, George? What'll I do? Do? Why, nothing, of course. Nothing? What do you mean? There'll be a riot. Men will be killed. Sure, they will. Fine. Fine? George, are you crazy? Not at all. This is going to work out even better than I expected. What? <laughs> that clarion story would have done the trick. But, but, George... Listen, Frank. Use your head. The veterans are taking the law into their own hands. Proves what we said in the clarion. And they're hotheads. Led by foreigners. Want to make trouble. Oh, you mean... I mean that after we'll never have to worry about these veteran punks again. Or about Sam Robbins, either. <laughs> Chuckling, Big George Latimer, state political boss and man of hate, assures Governor Wheeler that the veterans who want only justice are cooking their own goose. And cooking it better than Latimer could ever cook it for them. What will happen at the state police barracks while Clark Kent, unaware of this latest and dangerous development, pursues a newly found clue which he hopes will clear Sam Robbins. Tomorrow's episode is swift and exciting, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep. Sunshine Cereals. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, in answer to the clarion's page one blast that attempts to make ex-GI Sam Robbins appear to be leader of a communist plot... The violently incited mob of veterans marched the police barracks to free their pal from jail. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, um, how many of the 49 different prizes have you collected from packages of Kellogg's Pet? Yes, sir. I said 49 different prizes. There's one in every package of Pep you open. And there are three different kinds of prizes you may find there. For instance, uh, how are you coming along with your collection of Pep comic buttons? 
There were 18, you know, in the series, each picturing a favorite comic strip character to fit on your jacket or your beanie cap. And how about those bright-colored bird pictures? There were 24 to collect, each with a full description, so you can wise up the gang on birds. And uh, have you rounded up all seven of those colored cardboard plane models? Each one's a model of a famous fighting plane. All in all, that makes 49 different prizes you can collect. One in every package of Pep, the sunshine cereal. And meanwhile, you can be enjoying breakfast with those crisp golden whole wheat flakes of Pep. Mm -mm. How Pep does for the flavor. A catchy, fresh flavor. A sunny, toasted flavor. In short, a Pep flavor. And it really sends you. So for prize eating and your surprise prize, ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. Now, the adventures of Superman. As you remember, Joe Martin, a war hero, was mysteriously shot during a veteran's demonstration against Governor Wheeler, whom the G.I.s charged with practicing racial and religious discrimination in awarding state jobs. Big George Latimer, the state political boss, said he had seen Joe's best friend, Sam Robbins, draw a gun during the demonstration. This gun, identified as the one with which Joe had been shot, was later found in the Robbins' house. Sam was arrested, and the Metropolis Clarion, a scandal-mongering newspaper and Latimer's mouthpiece, immediately released the story to the effect that Sam had shot Joe as part of a plot to make trouble for the governor. Enraged, hundreds of his buddies marched on the jail to liberate Sam. Meanwhile, unaware of this development, Clark entered in the modest Robin's home interviewing Sam's mother. It is twilight. Listen. They've got no right to say my Sam shot Joe Martin. Why, Sam and Joe brought the world at each other, Mr. Kent. I know. Since they were six years old, they've been friends. Sam would do anything for Joe, anything. I believe, Mr. Robin. And in Robin, that newspaper, it said Sam was foreigner. Well, that's a lie, Mr. Kent. You know that's a lie. Don't pay any attention to what the clarion said, Mrs. Robbins. We all know Sam is a loyal American. He's just the victim of a plot to discredit him and others of his faith, as well as all the veterans who demonstrated against the governor. A plot? Uh-huh. What kind of a plot? Well, at the moment, we're not quite sure, but we have our suspicions. You may be able to help spin it down. I? Mm -hmm. How can I help? Try to remember. Joe Martin was shot about 5.30 yesterday afternoon. Sam stopped here at the house about six on his way to the hospital. Is that right? Yes, that's right. But he didn't stop to hide a gun like the newspaper said. Oh, no. He wanted to get the money he saved in the army to help Joe. Yes, I know that. At any rate, Sam was here about six. Now, what time did the state troopers come here and find the gun? About half an hour, maybe three quarters of an hour later. I know it wasn't seven o'clock yet. Well, never mind that. Uh, but between the time Sam was here and the state troopers came, were you alone? Yes, I was alone. Did you have any visitors? No. Oh, wait. What? That friend of Sam's. He was only here a few minutes ago. What friend of Sam's? I don't remember his name. Think, Mrs. Robbins. Think hard. Well, I think he said it was Charlie, but I'm not sure. He said he knew Sam and Joe in the army. Just got out of the army and he wanted to see Sam. Mm -hmm. Did he come into the house? He came in for just a minute. I gave him a cup of tea and some cake. I see. Uh, tell me, did he go into the kitchen with you, or, or did he wait here in the living room while you prepared the tea and cake? Now, let me think. Is that important, Miss Kent? It might be. Can you remember? Yes. He stayed in here, in the living room. Mm -hmm. About how long, Mrs. Robbins? Not long, just while I heated the water and arranged the tray. Well, uh, five or ten minutes, say? Not anymore. Why are you asking all these questions, Mr. Kent? Five or ten minutes, eh? Plenty of time to get upstairs, discover which room was Sam's, and slip the gun into a bureau drawer. What? Oh, no, he couldn't. Why, he said he was a friend of Sam's. They were in the army together. Yes, yeah, so he said. What did this fellow look like? He was about medium height. Thin. Mm -hmm. He had on blue suit. He was kind of light complected and yes. And his mouth. I thought maybe it was because he was wounded in the war. It was kind of pulled up on one side. Lippy Williams. Who? Lippy Williams, a reporter for the Daily Clarion. You described him to a T. I wouldn't put a thing like this past him either. 
And the Clarion has been playing up this story to a fairly well, practically trying and condemning Sam in their paper. But why? He never did anything to them. Well, if I'm right, if it was Williams who planted the gun here, I think I can guess why. First, I've got to prove it was he. Now, look, Mrs. Robbins, don't mention this to anyone, please. Mom, got... they're going to get Sam out of jail. What? Who is? Oh, I didn't know anybody was... No, it's all right, son. I'm Clark Kent. Mr. Kent is trying to help Sam. This is my younger son, Lenny. Yes, how are you, Lenny? Hello. And what's this about Sam getting out of jail? Well, the boys from Sam and Joe's Legion post about a hundred of them. They're marching to the jail. They're going to bust down the doors and get Sam out. Oh, no. They might even have him out already. Is, is it good for them to do that, oh, Mr. Kent? No, no, it's bad. It's about the worst possible thing the veterans could do for Sam or for themselves. Look, I, I'm going to try to stop them. You two stay here. I'll see you later. Hurrying from the Robbins house, Clark Kent steps into a shadowed playway, strips off his business suit, and takes to the air as Superman. Up, up, and away! Red cape streaming in the wind, the man of steel flashes across the great city, appears over the great stone barracks of the state police, just as a mob of angry, shouting G.I. veterans are massing for a rush on the central building housing the jail. Lined across the shallow steps, their backs to the jail doors, stand a dozen uniformed state troopers, guns in hand. Grim-faced sergeant stands a step above them, ready to give the order to fire, as the mass of veterans, like a great wave, suddenly surges across a few dozen yards, separating them from the jail. Follow me! Wait! Just a minute, boy! Just a moment! Don't let your troopers fire, sergeant. Wait, fellas! Wait, I said! Listen to me! Now, look, you boys have the wrong idea. We don't settle our quarrels in this country by taking the law into our own hands. You know that. That's what you fought the war for, to preserve respect for law and order. What law? Sam Robbins, have a shot, Joe. Oh, you're right. And we'll prove he didn't. In the court. Governor Wheeler laughs at the court. Listen, listen to me. Two wrongs don't make a right. Besides, you fellas are handling this wrong. You're playing right into the governor's hands. Don't you see that? What do you mean? Ah, you've already been called foreigner. Yeah, because we have the guts to stand up for our rights. All right, all right. Listen to me. If you attack the jail, you'll be committing a crime against the government. Public opinion will turn against you. The people will believe you're being led by radicals and foreigners. That's what certain people are trying to do, discredit you. So they can go on discriminating against you. Don't you see that? Well, I'm not a plain as a nose on your face. Go home now, please. Don't resort to violence. What about Sam Robbins? Why not going to let the governor railroad him to the chair? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Sam won't be railroaded to the chair. Joe Martin has a good chance of recovery. As soon as he's able to talk, he'll clear Sam. Well, Joe dies. Then what? Yeah, what about uh, how Even about... in that case, I can promise you that Sam won't be made to pay for a crime he did not commit if you'll cooperate with me and do this in the American way. But if you don't, you'll only discredit Sam and yourselves and further the cause of intolerance. So break this up. Go home now, please. Go home quietly. Soberly, the crowd of G.I. veterans listen to Superman's plea, then turn slowly and begin to disperse. The Man of Steel breathes a sigh of relief as he watches them go. But unknown to him, a new and even greater threat is being prepared against Sam Robinson, the men who fought for a better world. In the library of Big George Latimer's palatial home, the state political boss has just learned that the veterans did not storm the state police barracks. His scowl deepens as Lippy Williams, star reporter for the Metropolis Clarion, says... The lucky thing, though, is I stopped time, Mr. Latimer. Lucky? Are you kidding? I was hoping they'd go through with it. We couldn't have gotten a better break. How come? Public opinion. Those vets would have been marked lousy if they broke into that jail. Maybe, but it might have exploded the powder keg you're sitting on. What powder keg? Look, those stories you had me writing the clarion smearing Sam Robbins and what you call foreigners, they've stirred up a lot of crackpots. 
You should see some of the letters and telegrams that came in. What sort of letters? Well, the usual stuff. Down with the Jews, down with the Catholics, down with everything. Now, wait until the mail comes in from upstate where they hate everybody who didn't come over on the Mayflower. They'll flood the office. They will, eh? Well, sure. Oh, some of those nuts up there need is a couple of juicy stories like we've given them in a clarion, and they're off to the races yelling for blood. Foreigner's blood. That's why I say you're lucky the G.I. stab at the jail was called off. So they want foreigner's blood upstate, do they? Ah, oh, they're fanatical nuts. During the war, they organized German Bund. Now they hate anyone whose name isn't Smith. Of course, it's none of my business, but... Just a minute, Libby. Make me with the governor, please. This is George Lapp. Hello, Frank? Listen, I'm quite worried about that business at the police barracks this evening. Yes, I know the veterans didn't go through with it this time. But they might, the next time. I think you'd better have Robbins moved out of Metropolis. Where? Well, I think an upstate jail would be the safest place. Oh, no, I said upstate. You've got to take care of him, you know. Make sure no harm comes to him. Hey, no, don't do that. Give one the judges to transfer him, Frank. Don't delay. It might look bad for you if anything happened to one of our war veterans. Fine. You can't move Robbins upstate, Mr. Latimer. You know what'll happen? No, what? Well, nuts up there will lynch him. Will they? His cold, beady eyes gleaming beneath fat, drooping lids. Big George Latimer smiles knowingly and leans back in his chair. That would be unfortunate, wouldn't it, Lippy? Unfortunate for Sam Robbins. Gang, tomorrow's episode is packed with suspense. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!